Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 179 of Super Deluxe Games Cast for Thursday, the 12th? The 12th, right? Uh, yes. It's March yes. 12th. Yes. It's March 12th, yep. If you're not already aware, Super Deluxe Games Cast meets right here each and every Thursday night to talk about the latest uh, video game news and headlines with a wide variety of panel members and guests. Now, that is what I know by heart. I don't actually have it in front of me. So all I'm going to say at this point is I'm very happy everybody's here. And uh, sorry we weren't live last week. Everybody had the plague. Uh, Even people who didn't go to PAX had the plague. Yeah. That was wild to me. There is there is a lot of that going around. I will I so like I didn't say this on social media, but I'll say it here. I'm actually in quarantine for COVID nineteen. I, I would I don't think I have it, but I was casually exposed to it, so I'm in quarantine right now. I can't leave my fucking house. Um but uh nobody needs to worry. I'm gonna be fine. Vicky's gonna be fine. Um uh, Reb was sick for like uh, what, days. like four four days, Reb? Like yeah, about like that. About that. Justin is still sick. Somehow, I, yeah. I at least have been able to semi-function since like Sunday, but yeah, I'm still I'm still a bit under the weather. I can't be sure that Justin isn't actually dead and just hasn't figured it out yet. <laughs> just, I mean, that like may Zeke be true. Operating I... his dead body as a puppet <laughs> yeah. before he consumed flesh. Actually, Justin actually <laughs> died, and we buried him in the pet cemetery, and oh. and, and and now he's back to talk about Awkward. doom. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. Finn, Finn didn't get sick. Yeah, he kind of did. After Finn, did you... everybody, I heard did you yeah. hockey. Oh my god. After everyone else, I was fine all through PAX, and sick. then I came home, and, and the next day I was out. like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but it was also very quick, and I was I was back on my feet in about a day. So I, was, I mean, I was I got... in the same boat as you. Consider like... compared to how everyone else felt, I made out all right. Dude, I felt like, like... The, congestion, the congestion lasted a few days for me, which is annoying, but it was a really funny situation because I came back, like I, I started work on the Monday and I, I work remote and we have every Monday we have like a team meeting and we got in the team meeting and I sound, you all remember, I sounded really raw because I had been doing that karaoke, right? And so my yeah. voice was shot. So I get in the, the team meeting and I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? And they're like, Reb, are you okay? Do you need to take a sick day? Like, are you fine? I'm, I'm like, doing my no, best Tom Waits impersonation. Okay. I just did really loud karaoke. I'm really not sick. And I was like, <laughs> I, I like pushed. I was like, no, I'm fine, guys. I promise I'm fine. I don't need a day off. And then about two hours into my work day, I suddenly start feeling, you know, the creeping ache? That kind of yeah. creeping ache feeling when yep. you're like, oh, fuck. I know what this is. I started feeling that, and I sent a DM to my editor, and I was like, hey, so I've got some bad news. I think I actually am sick. I'm going to bang out as many news pieces as I can before this thing actually takes over. And so I did, and about two hours later, I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. So I felt, I felt very silly because I took the next day as a sick day, and everyone was like, you weren't sick. And I'm like, and then I was sick. We um, I started feeling it. I think on uh, that Saturday night when it was a bunch of us went out to dinner. It was uh, it was me, Finn. Uh, you were there, Reb, Eric oh, Van wow. Allen, Mike Williams, uh, oh, Liana. Oh, was that the day that uh? Oh, never mind, never mind. That was not the day you led us all through the Arctic tundra without any. No, 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 no. Was this no, hot no. pot day? Was this hot? Yeah, pot this day? is hot, hot pot, pot day. Yes. This is the day where me, Mike Williams, and Eric Van Allen all shared a flu together. Yeah, that was. Hot. Yeah, that was. <laughs> or no, wait, it Eric took us... didn't get, Sorry, Eric didn't get sick. It was me, Mike Williams, and Matt Olson who all shared a sick. And Eric Van Allen was somehow immune to whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> Little bitch. But, I hope he did that. I, I, I hope he heard me say that. The hot pot was good. I remember more the 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 journey to get to the hot pot that night than I, I actually remember the, the journey hot pot to get itself. to the fucking pizza. 
No, oh, dude, that was bad. That was. Re- I mean, the pizza was fucking. Dope, I was though. ready to like... throw myself into the ocean. <laughs> you got to sacrifice your well-being for pizza, man. Dude. How's everybody doing tonight? We're talking. All right, you know, what? let's talk about video games. You want? I actually, before we... we talk about video games, well, it's video game related. Um, I have a surprise for everybody. I have a surprise uh, announcement. Ooh. A surprise. Yeah. Can I? Can I make it? Of course. Yeah. yeah go. All right. My surprise announcement. Final Fantasy VI is the best video game in the entire world. And if anybody has a problem with Final Fantasy VI being the best video game in the entire world, I will come to their house with my weed whacker, and I will fight them with my weed whacker. Somebody clip it. told me a secret about you and you were losing your mind yes, that's, I that's you. what it was i had the beanie in my pocket the whole time and i thought about showing you at pax but i figured no i need to save this okay so hey, Red, please tell me you use permanent ink oh no it's eyeliner i'm gonna oh. take it off so, wipes for that very so i've actually got a story about that beanie at pax um Great. on the first day oh, wait uh john Justin, hold on Hold on, real quick, Justin. I just want to say, Reb, that that's exactly what I fucking needed. You're so welcome. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I've Justin. been holding on to this beanie. I bought it at PAX, and I've been waiting for this moment for like several weeks now. Oh my god, that moisturized my skin and cured my depression. <laughs> I actually, I actually don't need to be in quarantine anymore because I'm completely, I'm fine now. Great. You so all heard my it. stupid laugh. Like... Reb, just leave the mustache there. Reb, no, just leave the mustache it's there. Eyeliner. I don't want eyeliner all over my <laughs> <No>. face. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking great. So, oh my god, Justin, go ahead. Bob. So, so many people were buying those beanies, and then like the angry variant of it at PAX. Like, there was one point where I'm like, "Hey, John, where are you?" And he told me where he was. He was right around the corner. So, I of course just look for a beanie. I go up. I have like a full conversation with somebody that does not realize I'm speaking to them because they were just somebody of the same similar build and height wearing the beanie. And then I turn around and then John's like, oh, hey. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I, I'm actually, so this is a, I've got an announcement of my own, Reb. Oh boy. Um, I am actually retiring the Gungeon beanie. What the fuck? I just bought this. So, so. So, so what, so, so here's the thing, Reb, like I saw a ton of people walking around with Gungeon beanies, right? Well, I might know what this is. And I, I need something that is, I need something that is, that is the SDGC brand. Um, so what I've done is had a beanie, uh, made for me, uh, in our color tone, uh, with, uh, with, with SDGC across the, the front here, I should be wearing it next week. Um, hey, bud, I'm not going to knock your choice here because that's a wonderful thing. But you should have consulted us first because if you <coughs> consulted us first, I would have told you, get a beanie that's just socky eating your yeah. head. Like, that's the obvious thing to do here, right? Can I? Do you think that would work? Is that, is that something that would? Oh, that would... fuck yeah. Just a big sock. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing, right? That would presumably be a more difficult custom to make than a purple beanie with like, the white logo. Look, there's socks <laughs> right there. 
so 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 green and red. Hey, okay, here's my question: Would it's the like beanie teal. have googly eyes on it? Would the beanie yes. have the googly it's eyes on it? I, that's mandatory. <laughs> that's like an hmm. option number two, but I do think there's like, the something purple, to that actually. There's the something with the white logo. I'm sorry, like I picked the one night not to wear my my beanie because it's in the car. This is surreal seeing Rev wear the wear the Gungeon beanie. <laughs> well, I guess now that you've retired yours, I gotta fucking wear it all the okay, time. Okay, so like, so here's my question I though, like use it for goofs, but geez, if you're just so, gonna give up. Well, here's my question though. So so should I should I retire the Gungeon beanie God, I or should I sock? I think should you should it? because it's 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 not specific. It's not. This is probably a conversation for another time, honestly. Yeah, let, this doesn't make for a good episode. We'll, we'll talk yeah. this through. There's so a really right. good song on screen. It's What's lovely, though. So, anyway, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, we didn't go live last week. Uh, no, I have been not. I have not been supplanted as the beating master. That is 100% not true. Um, uh, we weren't live last week. Uh, there's a lot of PAX stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on with E3. Uh, but first, I I know that Reb wanted to talk about Ori uh, and the and yes. the Will of the Wisp. So, uh, Reb, why don't you uh, Reb, why don't you kick that off? Yeah. So I've actually, um, as, as I need to disclose, uh, Microsoft actually sent me an early code uh, for Ori and the Will of the Wisp. So I've had it for oh, I mean, what are we at? Like, I had it over the weekend. I think I got it on Friday. Um, I've not beaten it yet because I am not under review pressure. Thank fuck. Um, but I have played a decent chunk of it. Um, if you are someone who is playing, um, I have played up to the point where a toad gives you effectively the direction that you, the thing that you are going to be doing for the rest of the game. And I have done one and a half of those things. Um, so if that means something to you, it does. If it doesn't, then you're fine. Um, so I think, I know Derek's playing it. I assume we're probably going to go pretty spoiler free on here. Yeah. I... I have some really interesting feelings about that game. So I love Ori and the Blind Forest. It is it is absolutely one of my top 10 games of all time. I love that game so deeply and so passionately. It is so fucking good. I've been waiting for this. I have like, I have bawled my eyes out. Also, quick plug, I have an interview with Gareth Coker, the composer, going up on Games Industry Out Biz tomorrow. Ooh. Fuck yeah. He is so fucking cool also. He is just like the raddest fucking individual. Anyway, so I was like super excited for this game. And I... It, it's so interesting because I think Ori and the Blind Forest was, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect game, but I think in many ways it was very, it was very perfect in its completeness. It was like this very like complete beginning to end package that did so many things very well. And when you finished it, you both felt like, I both wish there had been more of that, but also I don't because this was the game. Like it is done. It is all these things and those things resolved and it was beautiful and I'm good with it. And so I think Ori and the Will of the Wisps had a lot to live up to. And I think it is very difficult when you're coming um, to a sequel, to a game like that, to both do something that is iterative and new, but also similar enough that people aren't bitching at you for changing the game so dramatically, but also isn't like just rehashing the same stuff and making people who have already gotten very skilled at this challenging game, um, making them rehash stuff that they already know how to do. I think that's very hard. I think Ori and the Will of the Wisps does not do it perfectly, but also I don't know that I could say what they could have done better. Um, there, there are very heavy emotional beats in Blind Forest, and I again, I'm like, 
I think I'm maybe halfway through the game um, of Will-O-Wisps at this point. I don't think they, it doesn't have an up-ass opening, like up the movie, that like, you know, that super emotional opening. Like I think Ori in the Blind Forest has that. I don't think Will-O-Wisps does that, but I also don't think it could have. It's like, more I don't a think Finding Nemo opening than a... Yeah, I don't think there's any way you fucking replicate that. Like, I, and I don't want them to. Like, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> bawling like within the first five minutes, but that's okay. I don't need to be... Um, I think it very much respects the time of the players who have already been through Blind Forest and who under, like, you get, there's kind of a period in the opening where you don't really have any abilities and it's a little awkward, but very quickly it just starts fucking throwing the ones that you're familiar with already out at you just really quickly. And I think new players might struggle with that, so I would recommend playing Blind Forest first. But if you've already played Blind Forest, like, you will have your wall jump, you will have your double jump, you will have bash very, very, very quickly. Yeah. And you will just be fucking going. And then shortly after that, it will start giving you new abilities, and then you'll have some time to master those. And I think it does that very effectively. Um, there's some stuff that's a little bit Hollow Knight-ish in its execution, which I love Hollow Knight. I also don't think they copied Hollow Knight, because I'm pretty sure this stuff was in the works before Hollow Knight came out. Um, I don't know that those things necessarily, I, I, I think that like, the whole thing with like the map maker and like a couple, a couple other like bits in terms of like, like the skill shards your, and stuff, you know, the skill shards and stuff. I don't, now that I'm about halfway through the game, I don't know that it's necessarily executed as effectively as it could be. Um, and I only know that because Hollow Knight is also probably in my top 10 games of all time. And I think they executed those systems so perfectly. I don't really know how you could live up to that. Um, but yeah, I genuinely really like it. It's absolutely beautiful. It's chugging a little bit on PC, but it's like fine. It's not hurting my enjoyment. What the fuck is that? Can Sounds like just... a squeaky toy. What is going on? Uh, Ace has a squeaky toy he's not supposed to have. Well, okay. I can't this be mad at him. I mean, I'm not going to be mad at I can't be mad at a squeaky not a toy. Dog. Like, I mean, absolutely not. My head is too fucking hot with that thing on. I don't. I guess you do it because you don't have hair. I don't have That's any fun. hair, so yeah. like it's perfect, right? Anyway, like it bounces. I don't want to wear that anymore. Um, but yeah, I, Derek, I'm curious as to what you think. You've been nodding along with like this little speech I'm giving. What do you think yeah. of Corey so far? Um, I think it's it's it's. I kind of agree with you that like it's hard to follow up blind forest and i think they're doing the best they can um one thing i really like is is um ori in the blind forest was a very um isolating and lonely experience um yeah you know, loneliness pervades the story and the game uh from beginning to end really um and it's interesting how in ori in the blind forest you continue to meet characters who are not as bad as they seem and you learn you know and like that really nobody's really bad in Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, right. Will of the Wisps is very different because you start with this kind of haphazard assembled family that gets broken up in a certain way. And you have, um, you know, their stories to follow on the sidelines as well as Ori's. But you're also running into a bunch of, like, friendly characters. And, like, there's these little friendly, yeah. adorable little, little rabbit things called the Moki that you're running around and helping a lot. And there's a, uh, several named NPCs that are friendly that you meet very early on. Derek, there's a moment early in the game, and I'm trying very hard not to spoil it for people, and especially for you, because I know you're not as far as me. There's a moment fairly early on in the game where you meet a a large, important NPC. Yes, and oh my there's goodness. sort of, there's a little bit of an ominous, I mean, not super there's a, ominous. You feel like you, like, you should I'm be a afraid worried. a little bit, but it's it's yeah, it's purely I'm like, is this a good. Yeah, I'm like, not gonna like me, yeah. but then they appear and they're like, "Hey, welcome to this shit," and I'm like, "Thank 
you yeah. for this war. Welcome, it is. It is a. It is a Lord. game that is. I think it's. It's in that way. It kind of explains. It's. It's at more at the extremes, right? We're in the blind forest. Was you alone? Scary forest. Everybody you meet is eventually not bad. It's just a matter of understanding right. what it is that's going on. I think mean, it yeah, feels like Ori and the Will are. of the Wisps is very much like there are a lot of good NPCs you will meet and there is a bad going on that is more intense. It feels like there it's is a bad a, going on. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad I don't think it's a bad, a bad person. It's a bad going on. And we're yes. not quite, I'm not quite clear yet as to yeah. if, if there is a who that is the bad, so but there is a bad happening. It's interesting that it is, it is, um, it is less lonely in that you have a lot more characters you're interacting with and doing mm -hmm. like side quests with, but um, the feeling of loneliness still kind of works because you have this much more established family and this larger family in the beginning that is now broken up and you have to worry about everyone's well-being. Um, so that feeling of separation still exists. This is done in a different way. Um, I love that you're saying that because the game is going to do something else with what you're saying shortly. Yeah. I know where you are, and I am I am interested to hear your thoughts good, on it after good. the thing happens that does more things with that. Yeah. I actually have a question for both of you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um. So I know the original Ori in the Blind Forest was uh, a five to six hour game. If you were like six hours, if you were taking your time, you could beat it in four or five hours. I have heard that Ori and the Will of the Wisps is a is a much larger game. How do both of you feel about that? Because I think there's an argument to be made that sometimes shorter is better. I mean, I think it's still mm -hmm. on the... Sh I think it's still airing on the short side. It's a honestly. Metroidvania. So, if you breeze through it, it's not going to be long, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. But you're about... going to want to explore. You're going to want to fill in the nooks and crannies and get all the stuff on the map screen. And it feels like there's probably mm -hmm. more side quest stuff than in the first game. Yes, I am getting that. Yeah. Um, so also, there are... also, I mean, yeah. I feel like it, it comes down to the pacing if it feels too long. Like mm -hmm. if Ori doesn't feel bloated with its extra content and it's no big deal but yeah. if it's going to be uh yeah. if, it, if it stays tight and focused even with side quests and an explorable hub and i'm all for it yeah so really? there it, to, to give people an idea um ori and the blind forest has three large things that you have to do after the intro like if you haven't played it before there's like kind of an intro and then you meet the tree and the tree is like here are three things you have to do and there are some little things that you have to do to lead up to those three main things but you do the three main things you do them in about 10 hours you're done um, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, or like five, six hours, I guess. It's not that long. Uh, it's maybe 10 hours if you wanted to present it. Um, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, um, you do, there's a, there's a prologue and then you do one thing and then you go meet a, meet a character who says, okay, now you need to do four things. And I have so far done one and a half of those four things. And that has gotten me to about, I think, six hours. So I'm going to guess this is going to be about 12 to 13 for like, like just completion. And then um, maybe like 15, 16, maybe up to 20 for like a hundred percenting it and getting everything depending on how the side quests go. Also, I don't know. There could be something after those four things. I have no idea, but I, I have, I have seen cues that indicate to me that the four things are the four things. So the first Ori, the first Ori came to Switch. I've played. I've just barely dipped my toes in it because there's a lot to play right now. But it runs and looks beautifully on my Switch Lite. Like I, I can't believe I'm actually playing it on a handheld. I know that Ori and the Will of the Wisps has some performance issues. Yeah, um, I don't know why it does either. I'm gonna be real with you. It's pretty, 
but there are points on like the PC version where I'm seeing where stuff is getting like downscaled in the background to lower resolutions and like I don't I'm not sure that I understand where all the the performance issues are coming from. I am getting a vibe from little things that have been said to me from a couple of interviews I've done, a couple of interviews I've read, kind of the way it was delayed at one point. I am getting the vibe that there was a rush in January and February to finish the fuck out of this game and get it out the door. And I, I don't, I don't really know where the rush was. Because I, my impression of it is that a lot of the stuff, a lot of the basic components of the play, like when I played this at E3 2018, I mean, I realized it was probably like a, I can hear myself, by the way. Um, I realized that it was a vertical slice, probably. Um, it was this, it was an area with sand. It was a sand area. Um, I have recently played through that sand area again, um, just having the game. And um, I can still hear myself. Sorry, I don't know who, who that is. I'm not sure um, who that is either, yeah. Um, I, I've played, th- can it, can anyone else hear me echoing? I can't hear you echoing at all. Oh, then maybe I just lost my mind. Um, I, so I've played through the sand area again, and it is very similar to what I played at that E3. Now I recognize again, that was like a vertical slice, but the components were all there at the time, like the skill, the skill stuff and a lot of the different things they had me doing. So yeah, I think there has been some kind of push at the very end to, get this game done very quickly and i know i have gotten a gajillion because i had a review code i have gotten a gajillion emails over the weekend that have been like hey don't worry here's a list of things we're gonna fix with the day one patch please don't freak out please hold your reviews i've gotten so many fucking emails and they seem very concerned about that and i don't know what is going on there i hope everyone at moon studios is doing okay today so i guess i i guess my question is well hold on um, derek had his hand up oh i'm sorry i didn't see that derek please um, I was just gonna say, um, I'm wondering if it's all, if if it's all just behind the scenes, because um, I know they're using Unity, which mm-hmm. can be fun to work with, from what I've heard, uh, depending on how how big and how complex you're going. Um, but I also know I've heard all these things about performance issues, and I've been losing my mind because I've had zero performance issues. And you want to know what's probably different about what I'm doing versus what most other people are doing. So I have the game installed on an NVMe drive, uh, which is the the type of like direct to the motherboard solid state storage that we're likely to see on next generation PlayStation and Xbox. Um, and I wonder if that's really just it is just like memory streaming. Like I mean, I don't so know, just on this like topic, this just sounds like they're using an older version of Unity, and this sounds like classic Unity stuff. Just from what what I'm gathering. Yeah, yeah so like, here's what I'm experiencing. Newer it's... versions of Unity have fixed it, but I know sometimes updating to those newer versions can be very bad for development. And, you know, Moon Studios is a rather small team, so they might not have been able to do that. Like, mm. it just sounds like classic they Unity. Microsoft backing. I don't know. So the, the, here is what I am experiencing. I My understanding is that Xbox was having worse issues. Um... And those issues were the ones fixed with the day one patch. I don't think, and I, I don't know, I could be wrong on this. I do not think PC got a day one patch. Um, the PC issues that I was having were very related to, there was a lot of, there was weird lag whenever I loaded up the game and tried to load up my save file. Like every single time, it just like, it takes forever. And there's a weird kind of noise in the music because it's like all of a sudden trying to load at once. Um, and then I opened the game and it's fine. Um, 
but whenever I transition, so it's a seamless game, right? Like you don't have loading screens between areas, but whenever I transition between areas, there's just this weird kind of uh, for just like a second and then it, it continues on. And it's not a big deal. It doesn't bother me because one, I'm a person who doesn't really give a fuck about that stuff, but two, it's not affecting my gameplay any. It's not happening when I'm doing platforming. Um, I did, there were a couple weird issues I had when I was playing it for review. Like there's a, there was a typo when you're playing with keyboard and mouse, which was wild to me. Um, and I, I, I told them, I was like, this is not the correct button to be pressing for something to be happening and you need Ooh. to fix this. Um, yeah, it was telling me to press E to do something and E did nothing and I had to click. And I was like, hey, I bet nobody is testing this on keyboard and mouse because who the fuck would play this on keyboard and mouse? <laughs> I am no longer doing that. Thank you, Cam Koenig. Um, but, but yeah, I was doing that. And then uh, there were just, there was another, there's some other weird visual blips. I assume they'll be fixed. So I guess my question is with all of its, you know, with all of its performance issues, do we see this coming to Switch at some point like the original game? Oh, yeah. Okay. Eventually. Oh, God, yeah. Eventually. They'll, cl they'll, clean the, they'll clean this up. Like, this is not, it is not going to persist in this state forever. They will clean okay. it up. They will do some patches. It will make it to Switch. I don't know when. Um, yeah. No, it's, God, it's, it's a, I think it's a really good game so far. It's I'm so very lovely. excited to finish it. So, um, so Reb, thank you so much for that. I know that, yeah, I know thank that. Thank you for letting me talk about well, it. Of course. I actually, I know we really want to do pack stuff. We want to talk about that because it's timely. By the way, if anyone gave a shit about the longing, the review embargo on that is up and I'm going to save it till next podcast. But if you gave a shit about the logging, come back next week. I we're going to, we're going to fucking talk about that game. I'm just going to take the spoiler training wheels off and we're just going to fucking talk about the logging. Where are you going to go? Oh shit. Okay. Um, All right. We'll do that I'm next ready. week. Let's talk packs now. I'm ready. Um, yeah, Reb, before we go on, I just want to say thank you. I know that Ori was a very special game for you, the first one, and uh, I know that you really wanted to talk about it. Oh, I and love that uh, game. yeah, you, you, yeah, that was that was a that was great. I loved every second of that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so, Pax East, uh, we have a lot to talk about. And before I get into any of the games, before we start talking about that, I just want to thank everybody for their support because of your support, because of of how far you've let us come. Uh, we were able to have our first uh, ever uh, podcast panel at PAX East uh, that Derek busted his fucking ass on. Uh, he did all the work. I mean, he did all of the prep. So right here in front of everybody in the chat, in front of everyone, everyone on the podcast, Derek, that panel would not have happened without you. Um, you were the most important part of that panel because you created it. So on behalf of everybody in the podcast and everybody in chat and from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Derek, for all of the hard work that you put into that. Derek makes this fucking podcast what it is, and we are so appreciative of you, Derek. Just wanted to say that. Um, so video games at PAX. Where do we start? We played all there was a lot of shit we played. Um Should I wanna kick actually? it over Derek. Um, yeah, please, talk, of course. Talk, when we talk about support and we talk about the panel, um, I want to take a moment to uh, point out. Uh, so, for those of you who have seen um, a the the panel itself is is up on YouTube um, and in podcast form, I believe as well to listen to. Uh, yes. I think I did that. I can't remember because I did it all while dealing with pneumonia. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I know we also threw up eight interviews that we did uh, with various developers um, and publishers. Uh, and I'd like everybody to watch that stuff, but I also want people to look at that stuff and remember that, that when you, uh, do, you know, 
pledge on Patreon or you subscribe here on Twitch or you make donations in any other sense of, of that matter, um, that's what your financial support goes yep. to doing. Like, yes, we go and we meet and we have fun with mm-hmm. people, um, but, like, that is that has allowed us to, you know, book the flights and make the hotel rooms and afford, like, it, it goes against the cost of us doing this so we can go and we can hook up with these, uh, you know, developers and publishers um, and we can find stuff as big as Baldur's Gate 3 and stuff as small as, um, you know, like a couple of the smaller indie titles we'll talk about here soon. But thank you all very much for your support. Um, this is exactly what you're subscribing to us for, is to send us to these events and get that kind of coverage. So I, I greatly appreciate that because we couldn't have been there without you all. We, we, we really, really could do. not have. If we didn't have your money, we yeah, we no, would not I, be able to be if at If you didn't have my money, I'd be there doing work and being sad because no one <laughs> else was there. So, also, just while, while we're saying our thank yous and stuff, I also want to send out a thank you to um, our community member, Stormageddon, yes, who was Stormy. at PAX. Stormy! And Derek and I got very, very sick yeah. on day two of PAX. Uh, and he came in and helped uh, Finn uh, record and film uh, some of the interviews. Um, we went to meetings with us uh, to play uh, some of play some of the demos and stuff. He really helped us uh, get our coverage together. So we really want to say thank you to him. Um, the fact that he was able to st- he he was able to step up for me and for Dan. Uh, it meant a lot to me knowing that somebody was there and dedicated to help helping us out. So just from the bottom of our hearts, thank you to Stormy. Plus, and... Stormy's just a nice fucking guy. Yeah, like, he's dude. just a nice guy. He's a cool, I don't know he's about all person. that. He's all right. <laughs> no, he's, no, you know, he's actually taking your job, Finn. Um, Nobody can do that. I won't. <laughs> no, that's true. That's, no, that's true. That's true. Right. That is that is true. Finn, Finn is one. And I gotta say, I gotta say uh, a special shout out again. Uh, I know we're we're all being wholesome and thanking everybody. Finn and Justin fucking killed. Uh, those interviews, like yeah. Finn and Justin did. A I lot did of exactly one interview. But, <laughs> but it's like, a big deal. It was Justin, your first interview. Your first PAX uh, interview, and you fucking killed it. How many interviews and did I do, Justin? Yeah, I, yeah, I Justin. I don't know because I was delirious. Yeah, yeah Justin. Zero. How many interviews did Derek do, Justin? <laughs> And and of course Finn is probably our most accomplished interviewer of all. And uh, Finn Finn knocked the Finn's got a personality and a way about him uh, that that I wish I had. Finn's and so a fucking professional. He's a professional yeah. gaming Finn correspondent. also got us into some stuff that we wouldn't have been able to get into if he hadn't he been turning on the schmooze. So that is true. we have big thank yous to Finn. Finn well, is, big, Finn big is extremely charismatic. Can I just say that sometimes not being an asshole about something is all you need to be? That doesn't make any sense. That is so not weird. untrue. Sometimes if only if you just ask nicely, things can happen. And then if I you prefer don't... to just crack my knuckles and be like, yo, let me Yeah, in. no, that definitely Yeah, we know, John. Either. No, but like I mean, I'll, I'll throw out there like thank you all, honestly, because I don't do jack shit. Um I I have what? a job that prevents me from doing many things because it conflicts with a lot of the kinds of content that you all produce, so I don't get to participate in that. And while that it's a bummer that I don't get to participate, it also means that I don't I can't really help with a lot of aspects of it. And I, I sometimes feel bad about that, but I still get to show up and be on the damn podcast and like revel in your glory. So, you know, thanks for doing the good ass shit y'all do. I'm proud. I'm proud of y'all. Right. We're just proud to have you with us. I love everybody. I love everybody. And I want to thank everybody. Um, but I feel like we thank everybody. So, uh, 
do you guys mind if I start with uh, if I kick it off with She Dreams Elsewhere? Because I've been yeah, dying to talk. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. So, um, Davion. So Davion is the man. Like so. So Davion. So Davion Gooden uh, has been working on uh, with a, I think a team of like two other people on She Dreams like Elsewhere. Mostly him. It's, it's, mostly it's, him. it's mostly him, yeah, aside from like his composer his and yeah, composer and his artist. Right. Um, for five plus years now. And I am a huge fan of Earthbound. Uh, I love Undertale. I love Persona. And it is it is a, a small indie RPG that draws major cues from every single one of those yeah. games. Yeah. Um, and plus, it is also a uh, it is also an RPG that uh, with all every single player character is a person of color, uh, which I think is awesome. Uh, and the whole the whole you know the whole gist behind She Dreams Elsewhere is the main character is in a coma. Uh, and she is wandering through this very surreal dream world. And, and like, you know, I played it, um, I played the PC demo and I played it at PAX West. And the first thing that I think of when you see that, um, that art style, it's, it's weird, right? Like the overworld art style is extremely Undertale, extremely Undertale. It's very simple, you know, eight 16 bit stuff. It has but then a when smart you get... use of color though, because it's like very monochromatic, except in very specific spots. And it's like, really cool. Right, which I... really immerses you into the whole, I'm in a dream world thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the, the art style was so fucking good. Like there's points where the character portraits like fill the screen. And like, there's such cool character designs. Oh, uh, they're really good. With like, with, you know, really neat touches of color, really good pixel art. I didn't personally play it, but I watched several other people play it. Uh, it looks really cool. Well, and that battle system, as soon as it starts, I'm like, this is the fucking Earthbound shit I, I need. Like, that is, you know, with the psychedelic backgrounds and the enemies, like, oh, I fucking, I, I absolutely loved it. Finn, I saw you had your hand up. Yeah. No, I just want to say, I, I think we all get caught up in the fact that it's like, it's very Earthbound-esque and very pretty and the music is so good, but the writing is so it's crisp really and funny. Yes. And, and the demo was very like meta and, and breaking the fourth wall in some really fun ways. And I don't know if that's going to translate to the main game or if he just did that for the demo. Either way, it was in very entertaining. Plus, and it must be noted, you can pet the dog. You can. Uh, it's very important. And you feel this. better. You feel and it heals better. you. It gives you back your health. Um, and well you, that's how should. you save your game. Is that is that the dogs? And and That's I just lovely. what I uh, I want to say one thing we're gonna uh, he's actually agreed to be a guest uh, on the show with us in the fe- oh. in the in the coming weeks yes um, yep. and I just I, I I I'm not gonna take his story from him but when he's on tune into that show because the story of how the game went from because last year at PAX he was showing it to people on his cell phone and now yeah. he's where he is now. Uh, the story of how Game Pass became a thing. Look, it's incredible. This man's journey is inspiring, and his game is incredible, and everyone needs to have that on at their radar. Like Davion right is going to go places. After this game is finished, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be a name you're hearing about. We interviewed, yeah. them, we interviewed him, by the way, uh, and you we should did. check that interview one of the interviews. on YouTube. Yeah, he's really cool. I'm trying to find... I, I want to shout out the music in that game specifically. I'm trying to find like a clip of one of the battle themes. I can't find one anywhere on YouTube. Y'all, if you get a chance to play that demo, man, just play the demo. Like, yeah. if, if for nothing else, just to listen to the, the hot bops. Like, yeah, that... The, that music... I was like... I was, I, was like I was sitting there with like my controller. I was like... 
Fuck yeah, I was like tapping my foot. I was like, yeah, I'm here. I'm into this. It's so good. Not to, it's you so know, good. not to port beg but not to port beg or anything, but I this would be I hope this comes to Switch because this would be a perfect Switch game. So I just want to point out um, this is a picture of his booth. And what's that in the corner? Oh that he man! Hung up on the booth. Oh, wait, wait, what is that? Wait, wait, that's wait, wait, hold Saki. on. Oh, look at that! It's, it's his child of Saki. Look that's at his that! Child of Saki that he hung up on his booth. He uh, did. He was so excited. I love it when people get really hyped about getting a Saki. The, the socks are picking up, man. People are getting more and more excited. Was the, was the people are getting was like, amped about do, those Saki. How do I display a sock in a trophy yes. case asking for a friend? That, that was harmonics, right? Harmonics was yeah. I just want to point out. The sake that we gave Corey Barlog is still sitting on his wall. It sure is. It's a good award. Uh, but you know? yeah, no, Elsewhere is really good. Um, I have an interview with him, too. It's not up yet, but it will be up at some point on GameIndustry.biz when I have time to get through all my fucking PAX East interviews. Um, but yeah, he's a really cool person. Uh, that game fucking... It's, I'm so excited for this game. Uh, quick question, yeah. Rob. Uh, did yeah. you ask whether he preferred cake or pie? No, I didn't. No, ask. that's a well, you then thing. I guess you're not a real journalist. Sorry. <laughs> I am a real journalist because she's I literally video the games only real journalist here. It is true. She is. Yeah. Part of it. <laughs> I'm trying to destroy all video games. Rev just yeah. wants to censor all the games and destroy them all. Yeah, she's yeah, a true games I'm journalist. We're advancing our feminist agenda to eliminate just, just all just video keeping, games. Just keeping people out of the industry, Rev. Yeah, just keeping fucking, people out of the industry. Fucking bullshit. All right. Anyway. Fucking. So I got to tell you right now before we move on, she dreams elsewhere is was my PAX East game of the show. Like by by a country mile. I, like it was, it was a top I, three I, for I fucking me. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It might have been mine too. I'm now like thinking about it and I'm like, mm, yeah, you know, I think it might have been I, I granted I don't play a lot of games on the show floor. But mm, it was real good. It was real good. You know, there was another game that I'm super interested in, and I got a chance to play it, and I want to kick this one over to Justin because it involves uh it involves uh, a shark. Uh, an ocean and a lot of really weird I'm bullshit. So jealous that you got to play this. So, so this was the first game I got to play at PAX East, um, and it also ended up being my first ever interview. Uh, was Maneater. And what a this great first interview! My oh, yeah. God, this 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 game, like it was kind of like a show floor darling. Like this game had long lines for it, um, and it. Okay, I need to just describe the sheer concept of it because I think the way it's presented and, like, the way it works is just as important as, you know, the core, it's a shark game. So, basically, um, it's presented almost as, like, a TLC documentary about uh, about Skinny Pete, uh, Skinny who Pete. is a shark hunter. Oh, shit, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I love it. And... And he is, he's searching for the shark that killed his dad. His dad was a prolific <laughs> oh shark hunter. Oh my god, hunter. it has a fucking plot. Oh, oh, absolutely. oh Reb, yes, it Reb, does. Reb. Oh my god. Reb, wait till you get, to, wait till I finish explaining oh, what happens yeah. at the end of the tutorial. Because this, ooh, this game's know, got some ooh, story. Justin, I don't know if you want to spoil it. That's a swerve that I think people should experience. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's a tutorial. It's like the know. core. I fucking want to know. Okay, so, yeah. so. Uh, and then, so as, as Skinny Pete, uh, by the way, who is, like, super Cajun, uh, <laughs> I, I okay. have to, I have to throw that out there. The, the whole game, it takes place in, like, Gulf of Mexico. Right. Um, and so, 
he gets an alert that there's a shark attack going on uh on the beaches nearby so they they go they go right for it and then that's when you start playing and you play as this large female great white shark that is attacking the people there and the tutorial is just them giving basically shark facts <laughs> as you play through but like the shark can air dash i i <laughs> Like, the shark can air dash, it can grab a turtle, and then just, like, spin its tail and, like, launch the turtle flying as a projectile. Um, So you you play as this shark, and you go around terrorizing the the people (laughs) uh, for a while. And then, at the end, uh, the shark gets caught by by Skinny Pete. And he finds a piece of his his father's, uh, his father's harpoon in it, but it's not the shark that killed him. So he cuts the shark open, and the shark was pregnant, and the little pup shark falls out, <laughs> and he can't kill the baby shark because it's too young. So he cuts it to mark that shark for when he gets older. The baby shark then bites his arm off and escapes <gasps> into the water. You are playing as the baby shark, trying to eat enough stuff to get big enough to take down Skinny Pete. <laughs> um, real talk, the fact that he said the phrase baby shark and no one replied. Like, do, 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 do. No, it's wow, stuck. I was thinking about me. that till you put it in my fucking head, Finn. Thanks. You're welcome. So, so the core gameplay is you're causing chaos as a shark. The more stuff you eat, the bigger you get, it's the more so you evolve. Good. The more abilities you get and um in the interview they teased that there are abilities that aren't quite natural oh no no dude shark is a fucking lightning charge there was a a brief but also not there was a brief clip of the shark with electric powers yeah Uh, like hell yeah like the so the shark can fucking air dash it's it's like it's kind of a janky game, but it is very fun, and I was laughing the whole time. It's it's really it's a really really good time. Um, it's out in May on PC, PS4, and Xbox. Um, they said they I um they're hoping for a Switch, uh, version later in the year. So it's gonna be a pretty accessible game. I think it actually comes out on the same day as The Last of Us Part Two, which is kind game. of an interesting uh. Last of Us never had a chance. So um, I do want to say, but like. Uh, check it. You guys need to check this game out because, like, it's it's like hardcore goose game. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's jank like, as fuck. Let's not. Oh yeah, let's, it is yeah, janky, like it's, but it it's but it's, it's super in fun. The best way. Yeah, like I don't want to play this game where the shark can't air dash. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So you're just going around causing chaos as this shark to get get your revenge and get big. And I am it's... so happy that this game exists. I am so happy because I like, okay, so real talk, um, my, my ex was really, is really into sharks. So for like five years, I was inundated with shark facts. And this was not an obnoxious obsession. Like okay. I cared about like conservation and shit. So I have like a mild investment in like caring about sharks. I mean, not like super strong because he was the one who cared about sharks, not me. But I'm like, yeah, cool. Glad we got a shark game. Um, I love that there is this juxtaposition of devs who, it sounds like from the way you describe it, give a fuck about accurate shark facts, 
but also don't give a fuck at the level that we're making a game about a shark. We're going to give it fucking lightning powers. Obviously, real life <laughs> sharks do not have lightning powers. We don't give a shit. Let's make our what? shark really cool. Like, By the way, I love, the tra- I love that both of these things exist in the same universe. The, it makes the trailer so that they were showing straight up had the stats on how many humans kill sharks yeah, um, yeah. a year. And then how that. many sharks kill humans? And it's like, it's time to even the uh. ah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like a goof, but it's like grounded in kind of this reality. See, I mean, I mean, the thing is, right? Like, there are. I, this is the dumb thing that I know now, right? Is that there are a lot of misconceptions about sharks, right? And they're just like, you know, these these kind of like aquatic creatures who are trying to do their own fucking thing, and we keep like poaching them for shark fin soup and a bunch of other bullshit stuff. Um, this is great. This is bullshit in a great way. I um, love it. And this is a this was after we um, had finished the interview. But one little fact is all the sharks in the game are female, um, of because they forgot to put the extra fins that male sharks would have. So Hilarious. they're like, well, guess we just we just have all female sharks. Hilarious. So, I did get the um, bot. I did get one of the the, the social media guy to say um, hashtag feminism hashtag girl boss <laughs> after the interview <laughs> as he was talking yeah. about that fact. So like really we were definitely having sharks. fun with it. But yeah, like this, like this game just takes what you think the concept of a shark game could be and just cranks up the silliness. It it's a lot of fun. I think people should really check it out. Please check out our interview. It's on our YouTube. Yep. Um, Justin's first PAX interview. My first ever interview. Um, and it was the first game I played at PAX, and it was a really good time. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Finn, what is something you played at PAX that, that really uh, left an impression on you? Dude, I, I kind of want to let everyone else go because I, I was the one that uh, didn't get sick and I had the <laughs> most time on the floor. I have so many games I want to talk about. Um, Derek, I've got a good did, single one I want to shout out that I don't please. think anyone okay, else can yeah, shout out. Go ahead, Derek. Um, yeah. We had uh, an appointment with a game called Ambition um, that I thought oh, was very yes. fun. Menu and Power? Oh, yeah. Yes, no, yes. I played, I played that. I love I talking that. to that developer. He's yeah, cool. no, that was yeah. great. Um, so, I, well, so we didn't get to see Luther until um, I think the second day, and he was mm-hmm. like, "I'm not doing that again. It was too much." Um, I got a, pic- I got a picture of him all dressed uh, up on the first day. <laughs> he did it the third day. But um, that's funny. But yeah, so ambition is a uh, it's 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 a visual novel with like randomized kind of roguelike elements to it. Yeah. Uh, which is a really interesting idea that like certain elements of it won't necessarily be relied upon. And there are a lot of flags and triggers that won't necessarily happen in the same order. So there's a lot of different stuff you've got to balance and it's meant to be much more replayable than a lot of other visual novels are. And it's set um, right in the time frame of like the French revolution. Um, and I just got to say the writing is very fun. I love the artwork. Um, the artwork is so good. The character design work is so good. The um, character posing is like Phoenix Wright level of good at at um, expressing character in a minimal amount of information. Yeah. There, there was one part where Derek and I were we were talking to him about character design and like posing and stuff, and like one character There's showed one up on screen and 
and both of us were like, oh, look at this asshole. <laughs> and like the developer loved it because that was the exact like reaction. The way we both were of them so described it, about, it, it was that it was that guy who turned out to be a smarmy dick, yeah. right? Like yeah. he, he the approached me in the both... tavern. He was like, "Milady, excuse." He was basically he was a French insult. Yeah. Is what the he writer was. and the programmer both separately explained <laughs> that they that that character was designed to look like if the phrase well actually was a was yep. a man and i yep. loved I that, that too. Um, yep. but yes I, it's it, i don't yeah. think i don't think visual novels are everyone's thing but um so good. like so it's, it's polished it I, seems fun it seems funny um i do want to add to what derek said the thing that i enjoy and again i actually i have an interview with luther as well i don't know when the fuck it's going up because i got a shit ton of shit to write but it will go up eventually um it's, it's called ambition a minuet and power um but one of the other things he said that i i go it i go into in the interview with him or he goes into i guess um, is that this game is is like gay in in various yes, ways, and it, sure it is gay in various is. ways. And I was like, okay, so and, and and this is like me, like I you know I'm bi, I like understand like at least some historical context here. Obviously, gay people have existed for just fucking ever. Like this is not a brand new trend or anything. But I'm like, okay, so the the kind of I think impression is maybe that in ye olden times, um, you know, gay people were suppressed or whatever. So you know what 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 has happened here like what have you done and he talked he because he had talked a lot about the interview up to that point about how grounded in historical fact this this game tried to be um in various ways and he like delved into really gay shit um like gay historical shit like really good stuff um to make this grounded in like historicity but also you know still like give those options and you know surprise it turns out people were openly gay back in the day in like whatever time french time period this oh yeah was. Absolutely. you mean we didn't like, invent it in the 50s and it both had unique challenges well unique challenges. it had challenges that we can identify with today but also was acceptable in certain ways and it's just it, it's it was cool to hear him talk about that and it turns out that that whole argument of no, it's historically accurate. We don't have any gay people. We don't have any brown people. Is fucking bullshit, yeah. everybody. If you didn't know. Absolutely, hundred percent. No, it, that was uh, far more common uh, during the French Revolutionary period uh, than than people realize. Uh, me being a student of history. Yeah, absolutely. You're hundred percent correct, Reb. And I'm glad that the game, having played it, uh, Reb, you said you had some hands on time too, right? I had a very minimal. I actually had, and I. This is in no way to indict the game because it was a demo on a Paxi show floor. Um, the, I, mine bugged out very early on, and I was not able to continue, so I didn't get a super large amount of hands-on time with it. But I, I, I don't say that in any way to like damn the game. Again, sure. demo on a Pax show floor. I have infinite sympathy for just things going wrong. <clears throat> So. so I will say that, uh, you know, as Derek and Justin were watching me, I was the one playing it. Visual novels generally aren't my thing. I do love uh, Phoenix Wright. I love Phoenix Wright. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's really the only visual novel I've ever really been able to get into. Uh, as I played Ambition, um, two things uh, jumped out at me. One, the art style is striking. Uh, it's a very, very, very beautiful, uh, very beautifully drawn game. Yeah. Um, and uh, the music is, uh, I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't think you guys could hear the music, could you? We because could, I no. had the headphones no. on. Uh, the music is is very very appropriate for the period. Um, it sounds authentic. Um, I did notice a lot of glitches and bugs. Um, my game didn't bug out the way Rebs did, but I did notice text was missing. The cursor was uh, would miss sometimes. Uh, sometimes uh, text would be halfway hidden by the like. It it was just it was it's very early. buggy. But it's in development. 
But well, I was gonna say, but like, but also, I get the sense this game is not coming out next week or anything. So there's yeah. plenty no. of time to to yeah. He said that they specifically don't want to talk about like a release even window, uh, because Humble, who's publishing, uh, which I didn't even know Humble published. Um, but, yeah, that's a surprise. Yeah, but Humble is basically Ish. telling them don't talk about a release window. You need to take the time that you need. Uh, yeah. Which admittedly is easier to do with something like a visual novel than yeah. something really big. But I also like, um, and this is just a shout out to Luther and his team, but like we were talking, they were talking about like stuff like mobile and we were talking about the difficulty of translating a visual novel to mobile because of the needs for ex the different needs for accessibility on like a phone screen compared to like on a laptop screen. Um, and I thought that was very interesting to, to, to find somebody who is, who is very mindful of things like text size and interface and, and making sure, you know, Hey, it turns out that you can't just take a visual novel and throw it on a phone screen because then something as simple as the text being too small to read, right. you know, as it's, you start getting into a fire emblem situation, right? You get into right. like, how do people meaningfully navigate a tight interface? You know, um, it's just, it's nice. That in to, to see developers talk about that stuff and acknowledge that stuff and be mindful of it and their decisions, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was cool. Um, the other thing I'll say is um, I, I I would love to have Luther on the podcast at some point. By the way, like I, I think I, th I think Luther would be. We can add him to the list. I'm about yeah, that. Yeah, I think he'd be an extremely interesting guest. Um, there was one more game that I wanted to give a quick shout out to. I didn't get the chance to play it, but visually and uh, visually and aesthetically, this is exactly what the fuck I'm looking for: Star Renegade. Um, yeah. Star Renegade looks that game fucking, is fucking gorgeous. That game looks fucking sick. <laughs> it's a tactical, it's a tactical RPG. You know, like you know, it's a, you know, on the face of it, it's a tactics game. But when you get into skirmishes with enemy units, it Shut literally the fuck up. goes. Let me talk about Star Renegade. Hold on, Finn. Let me just <laughs> say this real quick. Finn, let me just say this real quick. It goes fucking full Octopath Traveler. To say at the moment. And it's the shit. What's that? Do you think Finn might have something to say at the moment? I can't tell. I think I can. I'm not sure. He, I'm not sure he does. Finn, if I, we can pass Finn up, he's fine. I, I don't. Finn, go ahead and talk Star Renegade, dude. Okay, so Star Renegade, <laughs> which if you go back to our YouTube channel, uh, we interviewed them last year. And, oh, uh, you're gonna rub that shit in my face, aren't you, Finn? So, so unlike John, I played this game last year and was blown away back then. Shut the fuck and I don't up, think you understand. So the game was originally supposed to come out in October, and then they completely overhauled the UI and the graphics engine and everything about it. And when I played it again this year, I was expecting just to go say hi to the people and be like, oh, the game has completely changed. It's so good. The battle system is filled with different like tactical options God, and so strategy. Oh. The, oh, and then when you pull off the moves, the fluid animation, it's all done in like, like a parallax style, I think if, is, is, is the correct terminology. They've completely redone the, uh, the overworld. They've now introduced like choices you can make that'll influence it. And then there's like roguelike elements because if your characters die, they're kids become the next wave of soldiers as you try and take down this kind of like rogue legacy empire similar yes uh except the game is oh my god and 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 the game is so well written and Plus animated. it's just so There's beautiful little, finn it's so it, gorgeous there is a robot called justin j5 s uh tn dash uh -oh. tn and dash he TN, is yes. so beautifully animated oh my god very just, expressive very star fun. renegades See, Star Renegades did not get a uh, Saki because they got one last year, and I try and keep it one per game. Uh, and it's coming to Switch. It's coming it's to Switch. it's coming to Switch. Look, 
Star Renegades is going to be uh, a Game Pass game. So if you have an Xbox or a PC, uh, you really don't have an excuse. Um, but it, it's also tailor-made for the Switch, like all games are nowadays, yeah. in my mind. Um, so Star Renegades is incredible. Uh, let me know when I can start spout like rattling off a bunch of other great games people should keep an eye on. Let me make sure, uh, Reb, did you have anything from the PAX floor that you wanted to talk about? I have a list. Um, if you give me like two minutes, I will just go down the list real quick and do like two sentences about each yeah, one because sure, again, please. I want to go for a ton it. of gameplay. Chief Dreams Elsewhere is number one. Red Lantern, uh, dogs, sledding, great. Uh, Lindsay Rostel, great <laughs> game. You can pet all of the dogs as much as you want. Uh, survival, really cool fucking game coming to Switch, Timberland Studios, Red Lantern, very good. Uh, Calico, published by Whitethorn Digital. It's a game where you run a cat cafe. There's just cats fucking everywhere. You can ride a cat while holding a cat with a cat on your head and a cat on the head of the cat you're riding. <laughs> the cat you're riding is huge, by the way. Um, it's not like a tiny cat. Um, if that doesn't sell you on the game, I don't fucking know what What will. was this one called? Calico. Calico? Uh, this sounds like a game I would enjoy. Forest Cathedral um, is a game about and I you know I have this on this I didn't pull it up uh, it's a I it's a it's a thriller game that's based on the real life oh fuck I'm I'm gonna skip that one and come back to it um, Minuet Power Animal Crossing I played for like five minutes it's just more Animal Crossing I don't know how you fuck that up it's really really good the boop is beautiful uh, Disc Room Disc Room for like yeah. two seconds yes. I want to talk about oh little... Justin was yes. fucked up okay, on I'll, that I'll game pause Disc Room we will come back to Disc Room. Uh, Floppy Nights, um, I went and played that one. It's like tactics, but you have like deck building. Um, I'm good with both of those things. It was actually hard. Like I lost once during the demo, um, which surprises me because usually demos are like, yeah, easy shit. No, Floppy Nights good. If you like either deck building or Fire Emblem, go play Floppy Nights. Great idea. Uh, that one I think is being developed or published by Rose City Games. I can't remember which one. I think published. Oh, we love the, the people at Rose um, City might Games. Might be developed. Great Rose team. City Games, good. They're also yeah. doing Garden Story, which I played at PAX West, and Garden Story yep. fucking good. And still I, mean, I, think, I think Garden Story is published by Rose City, and Floppy Nights is de developed by... I don't fucking know. Floppy Nights. Uh, Rolling Hills uh, was very early in development. It looked like Rolling Hills is a game where you make sushi and explore a town very, like, Stardew Valley kind of style. Um, you, like, it's like a business kind of sim where you, like, put together, like, an automated sushi thing, but then you also explore the town and talk to people and make friends. Uh, sushi, friendship, colorful, animal characters, good. Rolling Hills, a great game. Um, Evergreen Blues, uh, I just had an interview go up on GamesIndustry.biz about Evergreen Blues. Uh, it is a game that is, it is six songs, and you choose the lyrics of the songs, and then it sings them at you. It's these two characters singing to one another. You can play it co-op. It is literally just singing songs. There isn't, like, if you're looking for, like, gameplay, that's what it is. It's just making these songs. But it is beautiful and heartfelt and has, like, emotional impact. And if, if the idea of just making, like, six songs, it's also free, um, so you lose nothing, but it's out on Steam now, I think. Evergreen Blues, it's free. Go play that. Um, two more, Armed and Gelatinous. Uh, Armed and Gelatinous is the most arcade. Okay, are we coming back to that one? No, no, I'm just, I'm just. That that's a. Fun, I played that. Okay, a uh, super arcadey game. Uh, you you're in the future where uh, the world has disarmed itself and shot all of its weapons into space, and these weird space blobs have discovered the caches of weapons. And you you play as these space blobs. You can move and you can dash and you can pick up guns and then you can shoot the guns. And you're a blob, and so the guns like stick out of you at different angles. And when you hit the button, you just shoot them all at once. And so the game is just floating around. In
in space and shooting people with these random guns you've picked up. I don't normally like games with guns, but this is fucking hilarious. Also, it's an arcade cabinet in select arcades, and I have an interview coming up with them that's about oh, that's why arcades awesome. can be fucking mainstream. It has a whole bunch of different game modes. I played like two of them. It's fun as shit. It's really good. Uh, last one, Renane. Uh, it's a platformer. Um, I didn't get a ton of the context behind this game, but it's a really like smooth platformer with some bopping music. Um, you, you play as just the, this character with this little sword and you run around and you hit things with, like, if you just like, if you like kind of like Shovel Knight style pixel art and platformers and characters with very quirky dialogue, um, like, the, I think, if I remember right, like, the shopkeeper's a squid, uh, there's a, like, a platforming side quest I did that involved finding mice, um, like, if you just look at it, like, if you just look up Renane, R-E-N-A-I-N-E, you will look at, like, a gif of that game and you will immediately know if it, if it is a game for you or not. Um, sorry, really quick, Forest Cathedral. I, I want to get it right because it's like a historically grounded game and I want to make sure I get names right. Uh, Rachel Carson. Uh, it, it, it's like retelling the story of Rachel Carson who, sorry, again, I want to make sure I get my facts right because I have an idea in my head of what it is. I want to make sure it's right. Uh, so Rachel Carson um, was this nature writer um, who basically, who wrote, she wrote Silent Spring, fucking, yeah. She wrote Silent Spring. Um, it's all about the misuse of DDT, um, but it's basically a thriller that is grounded in her life story. Um, it, it it's, it's, it's very strange and it goes directions I didn't expect. Like there's a weird like platforming game kind of at the heart of it. Um, but I think it is going to be very good and I'm curious to see how far it goes as it, as it goes like further into development. Um, anyway, so those were all the games that I played at PAX except for Disc Room, which we are going to talk about. Carry on. I, I have one thing to add, Finn and, and Reb, real quick. I can't actually talk about it. I'm just telling people that I will talk about it on Monday. Uh, I had an appointment to play Trials of Mana. Uh, I mm. played it on both PS4 and Switch. Uh, I, I am under embargo until Monday, but please, on Monday, look forward to my thoughts on what I played across both platforms. All right, all right. Okay, cool. Do we want to do disc room since let's talk sure. disc room. Let's do disc let's do disc room. I've got a couple other games I want to talk about, yeah. but disc room is something I think a lot of us played and really liked. Let, let me intro disc room by saying my game of the year in 2018 was this little uh top down kind of Zelda like like two like top down Zelda like game called Minute. Uh Minute is made by four people. Four people. Um, their names are, I'm making sure I'm getting them right before I say them, uh, Jan Willem Nijman, or JW, uh, Kitty Callis, Jikio Callio, and Dominic Johan, I think that's correct, um, four people, um, who did not crunch to make their game, they have proudly said, which is true, they did not crunch to make Minute, Minute is a wonderful game, it was my game of the year in 2018, the four have gotten together again, and they've made a little game called Disc Room. Uh, Disc Room is a game where you are a character, um, who enters this, like, facility of some kind, and everything is just fucking saw blades. And you buzz saws everywhere. Your thought is okay. Avoid the saw blades, right? And then the first time you die in a one in a room of it's a square room. There's saw blades everywhere. Uh, you have like a little list in the corner of basically achievements, and they're not they're hard. They're not like fucking impossible. They're things like you know survive for ten seconds or die to every different kind of disc, and they're specific to that room. And when it, and there's there's three different achievements for each room. And whenever you accomplish one of those achievements, one of the doors, because it's, it's a door with, it's a square room with an entrance on every side. There's the one you came in and there's three more closed doors. One of the doors opens. And when that door opens, you can go into the next room and that next room has a different pattern of saw blades and a different set of achievements that you have to accomplish. And you keep moving through these rooms trying to collect achievements until you eventually come to a boss room, finish that boss and you move on. 
It is delightfully simple. Your commands are move and dash. That is it. And you have to unlock the dash. Like, the dash isn't even you start with. Yeah, Um, it is so simple. Can't imagine playing it without the dash. Either avoid saw blades or get hit by saw blades. Those are the two things you do in this game, and it is good as shit. So this game, um, I had seen the announcement a couple... I think it was, like, the week of PAX when it was announced uh, by Devolver. And I wasn't really into that trailer. I got hands-on with this game. I am so fucking excited for this I remember game. you gushing like, about it. I, um, I'm actually playing it in the background of the interview that we have. Um, and I was trying not to be like, oh shit, oh fuck, like loudly <laughs> in the back of our, uh, in the back of our interview. That's on brand. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was like the game is just such tight controls. Um, really simple, clear art style uh awesome music they actually had a pretty nice like speaker that they had hooked up uh for the demo that we uh had uh it was it was a lot of fun uh i'm i'm really excited for this i think people are really gonna dig it it's so it's so easy to understand and that's i think that's what i loved about minute too it's just a very simple basic idea run around dash either hit or don't hit saw blades like that that's literally it and within that like that, that's what i think the minute team and, and now the the disc room team is so good at they're good at taking these very simple ideas like 60 seconds to do a thing or run around with saw blades really simple ideas and iterating on them in just this variety of complex ways they are so good at it and i love that this is now their second game and they still don't have a team name they're yeah. just, no, they're just four people. That's their team. I tried to trick them into giving us a name. Yeah, it didn't work out too well. Didn't work out too well. <laughs> no, so, uh, man, Disc Room is, is, is so good, but I, I would like to jump into another one that I know of someone else can talk about before I jump into the ones I think only I played. And it's one of my favorite games of the show. I'm not quite sure if it is my favorite, but uh, Ghost Runner. I know. Yes, just, this I know was this was the other one I really want to talk about. Well, I've got one other one that I really want to talk about, but you guys know what that. But yes, yeah, this is of the smaller stuff I found on the floor. This one is so cool. So, Ghost Runner is the the quick elevator pitches. What if Mirror's Edge was also Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? And was it's Mirror's the, Edge, but you play as Genji from Overwatch. It's I love this the the what made it so good was the fluidity of the of everything it was all about momentum and being fast-paced you, anything else died in one hit or you died in one hit and you had like a, a bu- max pain bullet time style dash move that you could do and the key to making this game so good because they definitely made an emphasis on it being difficult is that uh <laughs> this game was so hard guys <laughs> this, this game was supposed to be so hard that when i beat the demo the creator, the creative director of the game came and expressed shock that I was able to complete the demo so quickly, which made me feel good. But the key to making it work so well is the key to like games like Disc Room or uh, other games of that ilk is that when you die, a single button press and you're back in. There was yep. no load time. Because games like that, there's nothing more frustrating. Even if it was just a second of load time in between tries, <coughs> it would add up and get frustrating. And I really... And appreciate like, when the game's technical design allows for that instantaneous just one more like, try another comparison to disc room that i have is like 
you know, people talk about like that flow state or when you mm-hmm. get like in the zone um, with a game. And like with disc disc room, that was something that happened almost instantly. The same thing happened to me with Ghost Runner. Uh, all of a sudden, I got my hands on this game, and this is a game I've been looking out for a while just because I thought it was gorgeous. Um, when the trailer, and I'm like, Cyberpunk Ninja game. This sounds like something I'll enjoy. <laughs> um, and I didn't know it was going to be at PAX. I was just wandering around, and I found the booth. Um, but it's like instantly you get hands on and you are wall jumping, you are double jumping, you're air dashing. Um, you're doing stealth katana attacks, but not <laughs> slowing down at all. Like it's so much fun and it's it's such a blast. Um, I'm really excited for this for uh, for this game. I like it's been really flying under the radar. Um, even the initial announcement, I don't think got a lot of uh, I'd never heard of it attention. before before you guys had, talked about I, it. It but um oh it's so cool check it out because like the trailers have a lot of style and stuff too like the art style it like this game is pushing like a lot of high-end unreal engine 4 effects really good character modeling um tons of detail like in your suit and your sword and stuff um but they still also make it so it's really clear like what you can jump off of and where you're jumping to and everything um it was really good i liked it a whole lot um, Justin and I also played a game together uh, completely randomly. We just got sat down <laughs> to play it. It's it's a very simple game. It's it's yeah, a it's up to four the... player uh, twin stick co op shooter. Yes. But it came from space and ate our brains. And it's very simplistic art style. Uh, you're just shooting at a never ending swarm of pink aliens as you upgrade guns and get different items and try and make it through a level. Uh, it's, it's a, it was a very simple game, but you know what? Uh, it was a fun way to kill 15 minutes. It was, it was, it was really fun. Like we played it, we played it couch co-op, um, which they said was a high priority for them. And I think that's probably going to be the way to play that game. Like, you know, we were side by side. They had a couch in the middle of the show floor that we were sitting on. Um, you know, I hope they were Lysol on that couch. <laughs> Well, who knows <laughs> what happened, but, uh, um, no, it, like, we, you just play, I think you're just basically, like, some green block dudes, and you're shooting at pink alien slugs. Yep. And then, uh, you know, as your score goes up, you can buy upgrades, and then you take out the big, big alien egg at the end of the level. But it was really fun. It was very, like, housemark um, style. Oh, uh, I like that. Yeah, no, twin, I, I love their shit, yeah. Twin stick shooter. Um, we had a lot of fun with that. So I see okay. Finn with his arm up. Yes. So, no, just like Reb, I just want to, like, rattle off my remaining games with, like, Please. A, a couple sentences or so. Please. Man, this, this was a stacked packs. Uh, there was a lot just, happening. Had a, so I'm going to start with, with the biggest one, which was Fuser. Uh, Harmonix's surprise debut at the game. It's, it's, yeah. it's what if DJ Hero was good uh, in my head? And it's so simple. And it works so well, and it's their first game that doesn't really rely on a giant peripheral to work. And it's coming to the Switch, and I can just picture playing this game on the go. And whenever a demo comes out, play it. Fuser blew my mind, because I don't care about DJing. Can I just mention that this booth that they had for Fuser was the coolest goddamn booth I have ever seen. They had a giant statue, like screens everywhere, fog machines, sparks. Like oh, is, were, oh, that's what I. Okay, I was wondering what the fuck that was. Fuser is genuinely the game of the show that I 
passed and wished I had made an appointment <laughs> for and did not. Like that that if I could if I could go back and do one thing over, I would Ooh, make a fucking appointment. Just for that. do what we did and go, hey, I heard you guys are really cool. Do you happen to have a spy I know agent? the I know the PR guy on that one. <laughs> I went over there to the booth to say hi to him at the end of the show and just be like, Hey, you're here, nice to see you. And he was like, I could have just gotten you in and I'm like, I'm literally getting on a plane in five minutes, but <laughs> like, goddamn, I should have. All right. Uh, we also played Forgone, and I made sure that Derek got a chance to try this game. Forgone is basically what if Dead Cells, but instead of procedurally generated roguelike, it was a actually handcrafted like story based game. I I am iffy on this one, man. Oh, you are a I fool, liked what my I played friend. quite a bit. That yeah, but it great. seems super derivative it of is Dead actually Cells. Actually, very not. Uh, which you would know if you played it. I'm just I'm just I I I I'm basing this solely it, off mean, of what I saw, but I, I, I don't think derivative is a bad way to describe it. It is very reminiscent of Dead Cells. Oh, it is um, very. You but can I see greatly enjoyed what I played, and more importantly, um, I think the idea of of potentially what you can do with a game that has that kind of aesthetic and combat system, but is handcrafted rather than a roguelike. Um, I mean, for I'm just me, very interested with, with like level design and shit like that. You know, I think there's a lot of potential for that. The, the worst part of Dead Cells for me was the procedurally generated aspect of it. And so the second you're like Dead Cells plus real game yeah. to me in my head, like I'm I am in. So it felt like there might Cells be Metroidvania elements. Dead Cells is a real no game. It's not a real game. It's just not every. It's not going to be roguelikes are not everybody's. Shit. They're usually not mine. See, either, I like I like you. Dead Cells despite its roguelike nature. Yeah, same. Like that's basically <laughs> how that works for me. Uh, I played Pathless, which is the new game from Ab the creators of Abzu and oh, right, the yeah. people behind Journey. Oh. That it's they're definitely their most game like game. It has a <laughs> combat system. It has a progression system, uh, but it's all about momentum and shooting off your arrows at these targets to regain your speed and your ability to fly with your eagle. Oh, this game was something special. Justin looked like he had something to say. I, there's just two other games I want to talk about when we get the chance. That's all. Okay. Uh, I think I was just my, agreeing with you. That game looked cool. <laughs> one of my other favorite games of the show was Fall Guys by Devolver and Mediatonic. The 60-player, everyone goes until... It's like, what if Battle Royale, but everything was a game out of Wipeout or Ninja Warrior? Where you play these these little like bean characters, it might be it it might not be my favorite game of the show, but it was hands down the most fun game of the show. All I could think of when I was playing this was we need to dedicate community game nights to Fall, to Fall Guys. Fall Guys, a I Fall Guys community game night would blow my mind. It, the game was so <laughs> much fun. Um, let's see, I've got I'm going down my list. Uh, if you, one of the games that got a, a surprise Saki was a game from All In Games called uh, Fort Triumph. It's a, I mean, if you know me, you know I love my strategy RPGs, my tactical-based combat games. No, I, I never would have guessed that. Yeah, no, so what if you take that, and, and their big twist was it's a fantasy uh, RPG, tactical RPG, but with a physics engine that lets you use the environment to your advantage, so you can have your mage cast a whirlwind spell on a tree, knocking that tree onto an enemy, 
causing additional damage. You can use it in all kinds of really fun, innovative ways that used of and Justin played. I it. was I was so bad at this game. Like, well, he one they had Justin it, kept apologizing. He's like, I don't they, play games like this. They they hadn't they hadn't really explained all the like mechanics to me, and they're like, well, why aren't you just knocking over those trees? And I'm like, I didn't know I could knock over trees. Um, <laughs> The game was cool. Uh, it, it, it was neat. It was fun. I was very bad at it, but it was a cool game. I only have two more. One is Phantom Brigade. It's a, it's a mech-based combat tactical RPG this time. Uh, what happens if Front Mission had, instead of a turn-based uh, grid-type system, it's turn-based, but you plan out your moves in real time, and you can see how your moves will play out on, a real, on like a, 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 a timeline. And then you can move along that timeline and interact with how you can. Yeah. So basically you move yourself and you can see how the enemies will move at the same time, how they're going to attack, how they're going to react. And you can build your tactics around knowing what's going to happen. And because friendly fire is a thing, you have to be really careful. Things can get really chaotic. That game was a huge surprise. Love that one. And finally, uh, Kit Fox Games is are very well known right now because of the upcoming Boyfriend Dungeon. Boyfriend Dungeon! Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the game I'm talking about because they have another game coming out that I think deserves equal praise, and it's a game called the uh, Lucifer Within Us. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a murder mystery style game. Think Phoenix Wright, but instead of courtroom, you can... You, as you talk to people, they're giving you their story. They're giving you their timeline. You can then go along the, their timeline and, and look for the inconsistencies of their story based on the evidence that you collect around you. And it's done up in this like crazy religious medieval kind of like fantasy setting, or maybe even sci-fi. I don't really know how to. It's got like, a go very about like. Not exactly Warhammer 40k, but it's like kind of in the way that it blends like fantasy, sci-fi, and like hyper religion. You know what it know. reminds me of graphically, just the art design. It reminds me of a uh, super giant games like Pyre yeah, and Transistor. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of character design vibe I got, and that game tickled every part of my brain that uh, that likes things. It was like, hey, you know all that stuff every you love. Brain we threw like it. All in one game, and it's coming out whenever. Who knows? But that is my breakdown of all the games. And then we, I got to see the behind the scenes thing of Baldur's Gate 3, but yes. that's not particularly special because they stream that live for everyone to see. <laughs> it's just I also got to see it. We also got to but interview them. We sure as fudge did. Yeah. S speaking of Boyfriend Dungeon, by the way, put, put, put Game Dad in Boyfriend Dungeon. That's all I'm saying. Uh, not... Justin. <clears throat> You said you okay. had two games you want to talk about. Yeah, so I have, I have two games. Uh, one of them I played at the Annapurna booth uh, called uh, The Artful Escape. Uh, this game was oh, really cool. Oh, I saw cool. this. Um, this game, uh, it it's kind of like a 2D platformer rhythm game combo, but um, you play as uh, this uh, t teenage kid in the 70s who dreams of being like a prog rock star. And so like he's basically dreaming in like, the album like kind of like crazy album art of the era um so he has like his magic guitar and he's trying to like the demo was trying to get to uh a specific venue to play his show and so as he moves through this really surreal environment and plays his guitar 
uh, when you play your guitar in the right spots, the environment reacts to you. So there was like these like large crustacean uh, creatures that were like growing out of the ground, coming out of the ground and like moving in time with the music and stuff as he jammed on his guitar while going around and then you like slide and play your guitar down the hill. Um, and then you had a few encounters that were basically kind of like Simon Says rhythm game uh, things, uh, with the end one being you performed at this very exclusive club that has nobody in it because that's how exclusive it is. Um, but it was really cool. It was a really charming little game. The music was fun. The artwork is gorgeous. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I've been a big, big fan of basically everything that Annapurna yeah, has. Yeah, I was going to say you had me at Annapurna Interactive. Um, so. They're on a roll. <laughs> yeah, so um, that game was fun. And then the next game, uh, small little indie game tucked in the corner of the, uh, the, the, the show that I found. Um, it's actually out next week. Uh, it is called Doom Eternal. And uh, I've never heard of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, but jo- joking aside, like, the, I played a demo of the tutorial, and I'm a big fan of Doom 2016. I love the Doom games. Um, I have played a lot of 2016. It's probably one of my most replayed games of this generation. So, um, I played part of the tutorial, and, like, the concept of cranking it up to 11 for a sequel is underselling I was waiting for you to play this. After playing Um, it last year, Justin, I was waiting for you to play this. So, like, there's more... I played a tutorial level that I don't even think I fully finished in the time limit that we had. And in that, there was, like, more environmental variety than the entirety of 2016. Like, you start off in... This very, like, religious um, hell priest base breakout. All of a sudden, you are on hell-covered Earth. Um, You get teleported to space. You're going through, like, sci-fi environments. Like, you're constantly, constantly moving through stuff. But um, kind of the thing that impressed me the most about this game was how it expanded um, your tool sets and, like, really makes you think about the encounters like they expanded mobility so now there's there's double jumping there's air dashing um grappling hooks uh climbing um so there's a lot more in between the big arena encounters uh that like 26 uh 2016 was known for but um in those big encounters you really have to watch your resources more than you ever did in 2016 um, so, like, in this demo I played, ammo was extremely low. Um, so I needed, you really needed to use the chainsaw, which, um, when you use the chainsaw, um, you get a ton of ammo. Um, but you had to, like, had to pay attention to how much fuel that you had, which enemies you were going to use it on, were you going to save it for a bigger enemy to kind of remove them from the field, get some extra ammo, or were you going to just use it on one of the really small, like, fodder enemies um, so that you could stay in the fight? Uh, enemies have weak points now. And one of the ones... Um, so, like, the spider arach- the the arachnotron has a big turret on its back. And um, the turret's really hard to destroy with your regular shots. You need to use the weapon mod in order to take that out. You need to use the shotgun sticky grenades or the like zoom in snipe sniper shot on the um, the heavy assault rifle in order to take off that 
that turret, and then all of a sudden, this enemy that was once a really powerful enemy loses its most powerful attack. Um, so, like, you're constantly moving extremely fast, switching weapons, switching mods, um, deciding when to use your power weapons to gain resources, um, and, like, constantly prioritizing enemies. Like, there's a lot of things that I noticed, like, in just watching it, like, with some of the environmental design um, and HUD design that I didn't really like too much because I thought it looked very video gamey. Not not that Doom isn't video gamey, but like I was, gonna, like, I was about to say, because Doom is like the definition I mean, like, of a video there's, game. There's hanging, glowing power ups now. Like whereas you know, 2016 had more kind. of... Okay, this is a pile of ammo in the corner kind of thing. But like as I played it, I realized that it was all to facilitate how they've evolved the gameplay. Um, it's so that you can immediately see something, recognize it, know what it's going to be, and decide what you're going to do with it. Um, it's a really active game in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, I mean, do 2016 was known for fast action, but like I, you didn't have to use most of the weapon mods. I barely ever used the chainsaw and stuff. Whereas like every single thing in your arsenal now is something that you need to keep track of. Um, it was so much fun. And the, obviously the music, the music ruled. Uh, Mick Gordon, Mick Gordon did not let us down. Uh, Mick Gordon's a fucking, around. he's a master dude. Yeah. So, um, I'm very excited for this game. I'm, I, I do not think that if you enjoyed Doom 2016, you're going to be let down by Doom Eternal. Um, I had I had a blast playing. And fun note, that demo blew the fuses the first time oh, I yeah. sat down to play it. Um, because they had a bunch they had a bunch of uh, rigs set up, basically in a combination pub comedy club and Doom Eternal blew the fuse. <laughs> so I got back in line and got to play it again, which actually worked out really well because then I knew how to get through the early parts real quick and I could skip the cutscenes and stuff. So I got a bit farther than a lot of other people did. Um, but yeah, it was it was so much fun. It's out next week. It's out on my birthday. I'm treating myself to Doom Eternal treat yourself, for my birthday. Treat yourself, man. Get that shit. You need, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm re I'm really excited for that game, uh, and I'm really glad I got the chance to play it because I I basically passed out as soon as I was done. I'm so uh, it's so finished. poetic that this was the as last. As soon as I was like, this like, is the last game you got to play. Like my appointment to play this was kind of what got me through. <laughs> so, um, after that was when I kind of got very sick for the rest of the show. Um, but yeah, Doom Doom Eternal is unsurprisingly very good. So uh, we're 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 put, we're bumping up against an hour and a half here. So I want to throw out a few quick housekeeping items. Once again, thank you to everybody who supported us, who has supported us to the point where we got to do our first ever PAX panel. It will not be our last PAX panel, I assure you. Uh, we are very much looking forward to what we're going to do next. Um, and uh, the next time we do a PAX panel, uh, every single member of the podcast who is at PAX will be on the panel uh, if they want to be. Uh, so it's going to be a true SDGC panel next time. Um, uh, two quick notes I want to make. One, I know that everybody is really stressed out right now about what's going on uh, with uh, COVID-19. Um, unfortunately, of course, I can't magically make the virus disappear. But what I will tell everybody is um, in our Discord, we have a venting channel. Uh, if you are if you are in our Discord uh, uh, and you need to talk about things that are stressing you out or worrying you, please go to the venting channel. 
Uh, and um, you can talk about it there. My DMs are open specifically uh, if people need to talk. Um, of course, the Nightbot just uh, dropped the link to the STGC community Discord right there. Uh, also commu- currently um, asking for feedback on something um, it, with the community, but I'm pretty confident that tomorrow we're going to go forward with creating a specific section um, that is just it's a good times positivity. Um, the, the, the whole Discord is not going to be like that. Like, there's obviously room to have like serious discussions in there too. But we're going to have a specific section of the Discord set aside where if you just like can't fucking deal with Twitter, if you can't fucking deal with any other Discord, if you can't deal with anything else, and you literally just want like cat pictures, pleasant news stories, and nice encouraging words, like that's all that's going to be in there. Um, we're we're currently figuring out the best way to structure that so that it doesn't take away from like so it doesn't turn the whole rest of the Discord into a negativity zone. Exactly. But um, but I, I believe that's something that we're going to go forward with experimenting with tomorrow. So if that if that's something that you just need right now, I know I saw a lot of people on my timeline specifically today just like very overwhelmed with just like you know it's all it's of it. scary <laughs> out there. It's bad. This last it week is. has been the longest year of my life. <laughs> well and like just also a huge shout out to rev for just kicking ass with the discord eh, um it's, i don't do it's, anything it's the mods it's i mean i well, i mean you and we have a wonderful yeah. wonderful mod team and several of them are in the chat yeah it, yeah, it is appreciate them like 100 so. uh dio uh kogasu lena and uh rar like like it, it's them i i don't do shit i, well, I sit i sit back and occasionally I, ma- I do I make a difficult dis- decision and that's like literally all I do. So they're, yeah. they're all of it. Our, our discord is more populated and more and, and just better than I could have expected. Um, so, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I also want to give, uh, cause I know she's listening right now. I want to uh, send a special hello to my very good friend, Liana Ruppert. Um, and uh, just to let everybody know and kind of drive the point home here on SDGC, we stand with Liana. Um, and that is not going to change. Uh, Liana, we love you, and we know you've had a rough time of it, uh, but you've always got a home here in SDGC, uh, whether or not you want to be in the chat or our Discord, or if you just need to talk to anybody. You've got you've got friends and family here, uh, and that is not going to change. You all do. Uh, yep, absolutely. So uh, does anybody have anything they want to get off the chest before we uh, sign off here? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to plug something real quick. Uh, so originally, um, our good fr- good friend of the show, a uh, couple friends of the show, uh, Mr. Cam Koenig um, and Mr. Nate, I actually don't know your last name. You're just two-headed giant. Uh, Cam and Nate, uh, we're going to do a panel at Kansas City Comic Con. Um, I, I was going to be on it like in the very early stages of planning it. Uh, but it wasn't, it, I, I couldn't be on it because I was going to go to GDC instead. Uh, their panel's based off of, it's Nathan Gamer. Uh, their, their panel was, was based off, off their show, uh, the New Entertainment System podcast, which um, a number of us have guested on at this point. I have, Derek has, I believe, John yeah. is going to or has already one of those. Uh, I wasn't, yeah, um, so, yeah, I wasn't able to because we drove over a fucking screwdriver on the uh, highway. Right, yeah. but... uh, the, the premise of their podcast is that they have a robot that combines a bunch of dumb ideas and spits out stupid ideas for video games. It's fucking hilarious. Go listen to it. It's, it's like one of the best ideas for a podcast I've ever heard. Anyway, they were going to have a panel. Um, they were going to have, uh, if you know them, Ray Apollo and then Brock Wilbur were going to be on it. Um, and they were going to roll a bunch of stupid game ideas and just do this panel. Uh, so Kansas City Comic Con got canceled. Um, I do not know what what day they are going to be doing this, but they, are, they have announced that they are going to be live streaming um, what that panel was going to be. Um, and they, they've invited me to join them, um, for that now that I'm not going to 
non-GDC and I'm going to be staying in Kansas City. Um, so yeah, follow at the NES pod on Twitter and keep an eye on that. Their podcast is fun as shit and this panel is going to be fun as shit. I don't know when or what it's going to be. Um, they're still working that out. Be patient with them. It's been a hellish week. Um, but they do good shit and you should pay attention to them. That's I my do. Plug. I do pay attention to them. Plus, yeah. Nathan's got those amazing lights in his uh, in his setup there. Nate has a fucking good setup. He's I got am, a. I am it, jealous as hell of, of that that whole setup. As Don, as as our friend uh, Nintendo would say, every time he flips those lights on, it's a real pro gamer move. Every time, every single time he does that, I I hate myself. Anyway, uh, if that's Brent, all, anybody Brent, what, sorry, what what was that, Rob? It's Brent. It's Nathan Brent. I don't know Nate's last name because I've never had any reason to know that. I, I'm sorry, but he's he is Nathan Gamer and Cam is Doctor Respect now. So, so, so that's a whole yeah, other story. I got the other shout out. Um, congrats to constantly, congrats and farewell to constantly calibrating and best of luck to Bear Punch Media on their future exploits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh and Justin are going to do some great stuff. Some yeah, they, they've been, they have been good friends of ours for a while. For a, for a while now. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, all right. Well, if nobody has anything else, as always, it's not always poetry and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. So until next week, uh, be on the lookout for my Trials of Mana impressions on Monday. We've got some more pre-recorded content uh, that uh, Zach and, and uh, Maddie did. Um, and uh, that's going to be dropping soon. And uh, yeah. Gareth Coker interview at GamesInstra.biz tomorrow morning. Be on the lookout for that. Take care, everybody.